Welcome to episode 31 of the Ask Achieve Show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing dealing with hunger, how to get your glutes to fire, and dealing with trainer burnout. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Episode 31. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so actually, let's briefly just touch on, you just posted on our stories, on our Instagram stories, your workout, right? Yes. Um, A lot of people ask about why you don't work out without your shoes. Why I don't wear shoes while I work out. You don't wear shoes ever? Like, in life? No, while I work out. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, people said, why are you working out in socks? Or why don't you wear shoes when you work out? Um, so I, I do sometimes lift in shoes, actually. It's not always. Um, if I do lift in shoes, though, they're very low, uh, like very minimal shoes. So I use like strike movements or um, Converse that are very flat and don't have a big heel lift. Um, but I prefer working out in socks. Um, and specifically, I like my pedestal footwear um, they are socks, but they have like grippies on the bottom. So you can, you don't feel like you're like going to slide around, especially on the turf. Um, you can also wear them multiple times without washing them. So lots of good, uh, things about pedestals. Um, but basically I can feel the floor better. Um, and we, I think we talked about this in a previous episode where like, it would be really hard to get through life doing everything you need to do with your hands. If you're always wearing like baseball gloves or like a baseball mitt. Um, And trying to like cook and do all these different things would be hard. And it's actually kind of the same thing with your feet, trying to put force into the ground and trying to do these activities that require your feet to actually work hard. Um, When you put this big clunky shoe on it, you lose a lot of the ability to actually root through the ground and root into the ground and root through your feet. So um, yeah, I do prefer to work out without shoes on for that reason. Yeah, so your feet and your hands have a lot of nerve endings and they really can sense a lot of things for you. And so, and those senses will relay a lot of information back to your brain in order to um, balance better and coordinate better and things like that. And so, the bigger the shoe, like heel lift that you have, and the more cushion there is with the sole of that shoe, the le- less information is basically transmitted to the brain, which means coordination gets tough, balance gets tough, reaction speed gets tough things like that. And so I'll actually choose different types of footwear throughout the course of my workout based on whatever I'm trying to accomplish. So if I'm doing Olympic lifting or if I'm trying to do uh, maybe sort of an Olympic Olympic lifting style squat where I stay super upright, I'll actually put on my Olympic lifting shoes, which actually have a heel lift. Um, It's important for Olympic lifters to have a little bit of a heel lift. Just gives you that extra bit of buffer just in case you don't hit a lift perfectly right. Um, and also just gives you a little bit extra ankle mobility. Um, and then if I'm going to do deadlifts or single leg exercises where I'm, where I'm really relying on balance and pushing into the floor, that's when I'll bust out my pedestals. And then if I am doing anything like walking lunges or step ups or things where I'm, where I need a little bit more, like, um, I guess just a slightly more padding, but still want to keep it minimal. Then I'll go for my strike movements, my Vivo barefoots, um, Converse vans, things like that. So you know, different, different, different uh, applications for different types of footwear. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Cool. So cool. yeah, sometimes I, if I'm Olympic lifting, I'll also wear those shoes too. People always ask about those too. Oh yeah, what are those true. shoes? Um, so yeah, just different, like anything else in life, like different applications for different times. I keep wanting to say different strokes for different folks, but just not. <laughs> Doesn't the right really. Context. I mean, it kind of goes. It kind <laughs> a of works. Bit, a little bit. 
Anyway, let's get into question number one. So this yes. one comes from, oops, who does it come from? Lizzie in Wonderland 33. And she asked, hey, Lauren and Jason, just a quick question. If I'm not someone who can handle hunger very well, mostly I feel anxious and hard to concentrate when I'm hungry. How can I lose weight? Is achieving calorie deficit a must for weight loss? Um, so great question. Um, if you're trying to lose weight, yes, you do have to go into a caloric deficit. Um, there's no way around that. That's just physiology. Um, there's a lot of people who say like, oh, calories don't matter at all. And as long as you eat healthy, you'll lose weight. Um, but calories do matter. And eating healthier foods will help you to be a healthier overall person and to lose weight in, like, in a better way, in a healthier way um, than just like cutting calories but eating a bunch of crap. Um, <laughs> but you do need to have both of those aspects. You have to eat good quality food, you also do have to be in a caloric deficit. Um, so dealing with hunger, hunger was something that was very, very stressful for me. I think a few episodes back, I might've touched on, um, some of my food anxiety that I used to get, um, when I was hungry. And so I had a couple, um, ways that I went about getting around this. Um, one of them was I set a mantra and this mantra for me was hunger is not an emergency. Um, so that was something that was really helpful for me to start to relax myself a little bit and make myself realize that even though I feel, I might feel hungry my stomach might've grumbled for a second, I'm not going to die. I really won't. Like I actually will survive for days without food. Um, and so just having that little reminder, just being like, Hey, let's try. And I would just think in my head, like, I'm just going to go the next 20 minutes without eating. And if I'm still can't stop thinking about food, I'll reevaluate at that 20 minutes. And then when I reevaluate, I say, okay, hunger isn't an, an emergency. Um, but is this a time where I really need to eat or can I go another 20 minutes and just keep reevaluating that way? So breaking it down into smaller chunks, um, as opposed to just being like, I'm not going to eat for six hours or whatever, uh, doing it that way is a little bit more overwhelming. So that's one way to start to spread out, um, your eating a little bit. Um, another thing here is, is, um, something I did was I replaced food with like, not, not replace food, but I would drink more <laughs> throughout the day. So, and not just water because I would get really tired of water. And if you're really hungry, or if you're feeling hungry, water usually just doesn't feel like it's going to cut it. So, um, I would drink an extra cup of coffee. Honestly, <laughs> that was one of them, um, yeah. which isn't necessarily like the greatest thing, but it was, it was helpful in helping me get through that moment of feeling anxious and panicked about food. Yeah. Um, and eventually I was able to cut down back down on the coffee. <laughs> um, but that was one thing or I would have tea, um, seltzer water would be something else that would kind of help me. So having, having a drink and not a zero calorie or low calorie drink, um, in place of, having a snack was something sometimes something that I could do as well. Yeah. I think we, we touched upon this in the, the all about fat loss episode. This is mm -hmm. about six episodes back. Take a look at it. If you haven't already. Um, I, for me, I, what I tend to do is if I'm trying to lean out a little bit, what I'll, what I'll tend to do is I'll actually try to make sure that I'm occupied with something that requires a lot of like mindfulness. So something that like, something like, video editing or some sort of like data entry type of work, um, for, you know, our jobs or making programs, things that require a lot of attention so that it just takes away my mind from being hungry. And I think another thing is that it's just, um, you know, that feeling of being hungry, it, it is normal. If you are going to lose weight, it's going to happen initially. And initially it might feel like kind of like a panic thing, but you know, everyone's going to go through that feeling. I think if you just 
acknowledge to yourself that this is a common thing, it becomes less of like a big issue, right? Yeah. Like oh, when people used to say like, oh, I forgot to eat lunch today. Yeah. Or, you know, I had, I had a friend who was always like, oh, I forgot to eat today. And I'm like, how do you forget to eat? Like, yeah. that's all I ever think about. Um, and so you start to feel like, is there, am, is there something wrong with me? Right. Like, is yeah. there something wrong with me that I'm constantly thinking about food? And no, and especially not if you're trying to do something different. The people who forget to eat are the people who have always just kind of not put a huge emphasis on food. They just haven't really ever thought about food that much. They mm-hmm. just eat when they're supposed to and whatever. Um, but that's not most people, actually. Most people grow up with, like, you know, food as rewards or food as, like, a treat. And so you you get into this mindset where, like, I should, I should treat myself with food. I yeah. should... You know, I should go have some ice cream because I did something good today. And so you get into this pattern and, and most people are actually thinking about food a lot throughout the day. Yeah. So you are not alone in in feeling like you're always thinking about food. And when you're first trying to make a change and if you are trying to cut your calories down a little bit, yeah, you're going to feel hungry and it's going to suck for a little while. Yeah. It really does. I remember doing that and feeling like... I like I would serve myself portions that I was like, this is definitely not enough. And I was like so sad about it. But I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to it's going to be okay. And then, you know, a half hour, an hour after my meal, I would be like, wow, that really was okay. That really was enough. But in the moment, you're like, this is awful. This isn't enough food and I'm going to die. So it is it is a really big process there and and it is hard but accepting that it's going to be hard and knowing that you will get to the other side of it if you keep pushing through that initial uncomfortableness is um can be very helpful and it really does happen yeah and now i serve myself the same portion and i'm like this is what i need yeah like it's not it's and it used to be like this is not enough but i'm gonna force myself to only have this and now i'm like this is literally enough this is exactly what i need i never feel hungry after yeah um but that's because I've I've gotten my body used to that amount of calories. I still feel good. I'm still fueled. I have energy. And you did slowly cut down over time as yeah. well, right? So I think what a lot of people run into is they're like, okay, I'm going to go on a diet. And then they slash like half the calories yeah. that they've been eating normally. And then, yeah, like your body's going to be like, whoa, this is completely different. As opposed to just tracking what you generally eat and then eat like 5% less maybe. Yeah. And so it becomes a less... Of a, it's more of a gradual thing than just like slashing away half your actual nutrition. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. So hopefully those those tips help. I really think the mantra always sounds silly, but I really think it made one of the biggest differences for me um, in my journey. So I hope you can come up with something similar or use that one and to really just remind yourself that you are going to be okay. And this is hard, but you're going to survive. You're going to be fine. And you, their food's always going to be available to you if you need it. Yeah. So. Cool. All right. Let's go to question number two. This one is from Sunshine and Saltwater. Those are like two of my favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great, great handle name. Um, she said, or they said, I don't know who this is. Uh, you guys have been so helpful with all your tips. I've learned more from your page than anywhere else. Oh. I was wondering <laughs> if you could do a post on how to get your glutes to activate slash fire. No matter what I do, squat, deadlift, lunges, all the variations, I cannot get it to work my glutes. My quads and hamstrings always take over. I've dialed in my form and made sure that it is correct, but just want to feel the burn in glutes and can't find it. Is there a trick to getting the glutes to work? All right. So this is a great question. and something that happens quite a bit. A lot of people have a difficult time really getting engagement out of their glutes um, and also getting engagement like from any of their back muscles, really. It's just like, I don't know, it's kind of like a mind muscle thing, I mm. guess, but 
Um, the first thing that I want to see and address is just the position of this person's pelvis. And most people are going to be in a position where their lower back is really extended and arched. And when that happens, that really gets your glutes in a position where it can't optimally fire and it will prefer your body will preferentially use the lower back as well as the hip flexors to um, do whatever movement you're trying to do, whether it's a glute bridge or a squat or a lunge, um, exercises like that. So the first thing that we do to try to get people into a better position is to get their hands on their pelvis. So you can actually try this right now. You can actually stand up wherever you are in the middle of a bus, maybe whatever. <laughs> stand up. Unless you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're driving. Uh, stand up, get your hands on your pelvis. And then from there, push your thumbs forward and try to push, try to stick your butt out um, behind you and your chest up in front of you. Kind of being like a, like an Instagram model, basically. <laughs> and then from there, try to do the opposite. Try to tuck your pelvis under and then stand up tall. And ideally, when you tuck your pelvis under, that gets you out of that extended posture and gets you in more of a neutral posture. Now, it's important not to go so far under where you're like really tucking under, but just get it so that you're out of extension. And then from there, try to squeeze your glutes together. And most likely, you'll have a lot more success. Now, if that's still an issue, what we uh, recommend in that case is that maybe your knees and your feet are in more of a collapsed position. And so what I want you to do now is, again, get that tucked pelvis, and then from there, get your feet perfectly straight, about hip-width apart, and from there, think about rotating your kneecaps out to the sides, and that's going to put your legs and your feet into an externally rotated position. Your glutes are responsible for externally rotating your femurs, and if they are in a position where they're internally rotated, they can't fire quite as well. So adjust the pelvis, adjust your kneecap position, and then from there, squeeze your glutes on top of it, and you should have a lot more success um, firing your glutes. And that can work in a glute bridge position, it can work in a standing position, and then hopefully you'll be able to apply that during a squat and a lunge. And if you can apply that, let's say, in a static position like a glute bridge or standing, but it doesn't translate to a squat or a lunge or a deadlift pattern, try to slow the movement down. So let's say you're doing a squat, just slow the squat down, maybe maybe pause at the bottom, maybe slowly come up and really think about that awareness in the glutes. And that should help quite a bit. Yeah. That's any thoughts on that? A great answer. I would say all the same things. It's really usually about more about alignment than whether you're squeezing or not. Yeah. Um, and a lot, a lot of times some people will say squeeze your glutes and people don't really know what that means necessarily. Right. Um, so they're just like, Jason always says like, it's not like holding in a fart. <laughs> like that's not what we're talking about. Um, but it's hard to understand what that means, how to actually squeeze your glutes. If you're in this arched position, it's going to be really, really difficult, nearly impossible. Yeah. Um, because that arched position just turns off your, your glutes basically relaxes them. Yeah. Um, so by just tilting them under, you should automatically feel something there. Um, and then from there you should be able to, as what you need to do from there though, is maintain that positioning throughout the movement. So if you're starting a squat, it's important to start in that posture where your hips are already slightly, not 
tucked under, but just out of extension so that right from the start, you can be in a good position that when you get to the bottom, you're already in line, your spine's lined up. You can push your heels into the floor. When you push through your heels, that's going to be more toward the backs of your legs. Your glutes are going to get more involved. And then at the top, really focus on getting into that hips under squeeze glute position. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that hopefully that should help. It really is more about positioning than like activation exercises and yeah. like that. Cause you can do all of the clamshells in the world, but if you're doing it with an arched back, you're still not going to feel your glutes. Yeah, totally. Cool. Cool. All right. And then let's move on to our last question. This one is from trainer Daria. And she asked, how do you guys deal with burnout for personal trainers? Many trainers who make who made fitness their career work six days a week, maybe some nights, maybe some at multiple locations. Um, and this is very, very common. So I think the average trainer like career is like two years or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. It's really short. Um, and that's because they get burned out. Um, <laughs> and I, we can totally understand that we used to work when we were at, um, when we were working at BSC. I think I was still in school. So I was working like, 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. and then going back to school after that. You were doing split shifts. Yeah. Like yeah, every day. You were, you were a full-time student and doing quite a bit of training hours on top of it. Um, so that must have been quite a bit. But, it was a lot, but I was also 19. So yeah, it was like, true, yeah. you know, you're 20. You <laughs> just, energy. Yeah, you just get through that. But I could never have maintained that. Yeah. Um, the split shifts are probably the hardest that people do. So people coming because as a trainer, like you have to train people when they're not working. And yeah. w- most people are not working early in the morning and late at night. So you if you want to optimize like your finances and your income, you really need to work like five or 6 a.m. to maybe 10 a.m. and then come go home take a nap and come back and work like 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's a matter of, you know, for us, you know, what I think happens with uh, trainers and coaches, especially early on, it's like, you know, everyone else, especially in your age range, is hanging out, partying, going on trips and vacations uh, things like that. And we kind of just forego that, right? Yeah. We were like, yeah. you know, if we go out, then we lose out on sleep. And then it just ruins the next, you know, three, four days trying to catch up. And we're in just like a sleep deficit, overtired and not in a motivated state. So, yeah. you know, the first thing that really went was any sort of like social life, social life basically. <laughs> yeah. um, and let's see, you know, something that always helped me a lot was anytime we went to any sort of workshop or continuing education event where all these coaches and trainers that are, you know, we're all a little bit crazy for doing this job, right? Like the hours, like just everything about it is like a little bit unusual. And so bringing us all together and having everyone be so excited and everyone be on the same page in terms of what a split shift is and what kind of hours people are working and how much time and investment that you put into your clients and like you actually love your job and you're passionate about it. Like that always like got me fired up and reinvigorated for, you know, the next batch of months before the next continuing education event. Yeah, we were giving a presentation out at Results Fitness uh, a few months ago and I was reminded as I was giving the presentation, I was reminded of uh, Alan Cosgrove, who always says at the uh, he always opens up a lot of his perform better um, seminars with um 
how many of you like got to the hotel like you, so you've been working out like every day right this week because that's what you do for a living and then how many of you got to the hotel and went immediately checked out the hotel gym <laughs> he's like you guys are not normal and he always says that he's like you're not normal um, and it's so true like we do things like trainers do things like work six days a week and then spend their seventh day going to continuing education seminars yeah. because we're not normal and for a lot of people they can't handle that that's not the lifestyle that they want and so yeah they burn out but it it really just i guess it becomes a matter of like are you willing to go through that a little bit because yeah. it's really hard to avoid it a hundred percent um we have gotten to a point where now that we've created our own gym we have a staff where the owners we can make our own schedule we don't have to deal with as much of that burnout if we don't want to mm-hmm. um but even still we we work ridiculous amount of hours and but it's just because that's what we're passionate about yeah i mean Um, this is the reason why we set up our gym so that our our coaches they each have one split shift but the rest of their schedule is all just a straight shift right yeah yeah six to eight hour blocks yeah we Um, wanted to make sure because that i mean that's a big thing for us is that we always wanted to give our coaches and our staff like the best you know job possible and part of that is being like able to have the opportunities to still make the money that they want to make in this industry without having to do six days a week without having to do split shifts every day so we have them all on five five days a week and uh and some of them do a couple split shifts but that's because they chose to Mm -hmm. as opposed to we kind of like said what's your ideal schedule um a couple of them actually preferred to do maybe three or four days a week and do some split shifts. A couple of them prefer to do less split shifts and just going um, five days a week. So, yeah. And the other thing is to, you know, if it, I, I believe she's been in the field for a little while and like, I think having some rigidity with your schedule. So if you're someone who might be better doing four days of just all out, you know, coaching and training, and then maybe um, three days of you, you just, continuing education, relaxing, whatever it might be. You could set up your schedule that way. Or if you prefer maybe uh, training for four to five hours a day, but doing it like every day. Like, I mean, the, the good part of being a trainer is that you can set your schedule to what your strengths are. Mm. Or maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe you can even do all mornings um, or all nights, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I think initially those first two years, you just kind of have to do whatever your client's tell you to do but if you're three four or five years in it could be wise to just um pretty much put people into these slots and say this is what's available kind of take it or leave it situation because your you know your health and well-being and longevity is going to be you know the driver for your career so. yeah and it all it's also dependent too because yeah. when we were doing those crazy hours like we weren't burning out because we didn't have family like we didn't have kids yeah. we weren't like supporting anyone like that would be very different if we were coming home and taking care of kids and doing like totally. you couldn't have done that so you have to take into perspective that everybody's dealing with different things and so i do think that there's a little bit in the industry of this like you gotta earn your stripes by doing split shifts and doing all this stuff and like yeah we did that and and we did think it was important just because it got us more experience like the more hours we worked the more experience we got in the shorter amount of time so getting as many clients as you can does require like working kind of weird hours and working a lot of days if you want to get that experience quickly Mm -hmm. um but if that is going to go against like your lifestyle design and what you 
want for for your family and for you know yourself like your personal life that that's different that has that's different so you just have to decide what's the most important to you um is it gaining experience is it education is it all these things where yeah you're going to put in those crazy hours or are you okay with being taking it a little bit slower not quite you know maybe not quite moving up in the industry as quickly but but still having the lifestyle that you want to have and maybe not making quite as much money up front but being able to maintain your social life, whatever it is. So you just have to ask yourself where your priorities are. Mm -hmm. And once you make that decision, it makes it a lot easier to then do the hours that you're choosing, right? You're like, okay, I decided that this is what's important to me. I decided I want to learn as much as I can, get as much experience as I can. And that's going to take me working six days a week, doing split shifts. I'm going to do that for a year and then I'll reevaluate where I'm at. Mm Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's very, it's just very dependent. So I guess dealing with burnout I think is a very individual thing um, that I don't think we were kind of all over the place with that answer, actually, because we were like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of thoughts, <laughs> especially like not understanding the complete context of, um, you know, Daria's situation. Yeah. Um, Cause we, yeah, it would be different depending on if she was, you know, six months in, then we'd probably say, you know, it's kind of like comes with the territory for at least the next couple of years, but I'm pretty sure she's been in the field for a little while now. Yeah. So, um, she might even yeah. just be talking about like people she works with or like, I'm not yeah. really sure if she's even talking about herself. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, it's definitely not, you don't have to work six days a week, like multiple locations, um, and just like put in hours just because, and then that will get you to a successful spot. Like there are plenty of different ways to go around, go, go about doing this. Right. So, and yeah, and that's what I was kind of saying. Yeah. Like you just have to decide what it is that like, why is it that you're doing the hours that you're doing? Why mm-hmm. is it that you're putting in the, that work and, if it's important enough to you, you'll keep going and you'll, you won't burn out because it's important to you. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing it for other reasons outside of what really matters and outside of kind of your like personal why, then you will very quickly burn out. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of different routes we went with that one. (laughs) Yeah. But hopefully, you know, gives us a, gives you a little bit of insight. Yeah. All right, cool. So that about wraps it up for today. Boom. I got that. Nailed it. Um, okay. So, uh, I think the final piece to this is that we've got our April kickoff challenge. Um, no, it's our April spring, spring kickstart, kickstart challenge. challenge. <laughs> um, again, not an extreme weight loss challenge. It starts April 2nd. It goes 28 days. And the big thing we're trying to get across is that people is just giving information so that people can be consistent on their fitness journey um, right from the get-go. We want consistency and habit building rather than crash dieting or coming into the gym twice a day and really kicking their butts. Um, we want habits that are just going to be sustainable for the long term. Um, it's going to be 28 days. You get four coaching sessions. You get unlimited access to our classes. You get a program. You get a challenge handbook, which is pretty um, you know, information dense. And you also get daily emails as well as an accountability chart so that when you come in, uh, we just track your, prog- uh, track your uh, consistency. Um, but yeah, it's $99. It's probably the best way that you can experience the gym. Um, at a really low, reasonable cost, and it's just going to be exciting to you know have these challengers come in and you know be and all on the same kick page. Butt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that the registration ends this coming Monday, and I guess now that wraps it up. Okay. All right. <laughs> so yes, please uh, leave any um, questions that you had 
on, um, through DM um, on our Instagram handle at Achieve Fitness Boston. Uh, please leave us an iTunes review if you have any time or any spare time to uh, leave one of those. <laughs> if you have, that sounded like you're just like, <laughs> any spare, spare change? Time, <laughs> any spare time for review. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded a little, a little bit beggy. <laughs> please. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, totally threw you off. Yeah, I'm already bad at closing, and Laura's still throwing me off. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I do think that that was the last thing you really had to say. That's, yeah. All right. That wraps it up for today. Until next time. Peace. Love. And, and muscles. muscles.